1: We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Avinu malkenu, our Father and our King, we bless you, we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you this day. Lord, we pray that we truly can be great ambassadors for you, that people who meet us today will know you because they see you in us. So, Lord, we thank you, Father. We, we're we just looking for divine appointments where we can Share the good news of Messiah and see you work in the hearts of people. We bless you, thank you, and praise you in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Let's continue our study in Romans 9 through 11. Get your pencil and paper out so you can take notes. If you have questions or ideas you want to express, email me at rabbi at org. If you'd like to help us with pain, for a radio time, please call Karen at 813-831-5673. You know, we started the series in Romans 9. We taught that Paul's heart for the Jewish people was so strong and he was assuring those Roman readers, so to speak, the Roman people he wrote to that God was not finished with the Jewish people yet. Plus, in Romans 10, Paul writes to the Romans that anyone can come to the Lord if they come by faith, believing and confessing who Yeshua is. And these chapters are critical to the Christian faith as God desires for you to see the big picture. The Jews bring the faith in Yeshua to the Gentiles And then the Christians, the Gentile believers, bring the faith in Yeshua to the Jews, and we are promised to see an amazing revival. However, we'll learn more about that as we start studying Romans 11. So let's begin. And uh, we left off last week with this summary, and I'd like to uh, give it to you again because I think it's important to know where we're going in this study of Romans 11. So I have eight major themes that come out of just this one chapter. Number one, God's gifts and calling are irrevocable. Irrevocable. Number two, the people of God cannot, should not be anti-Semitic. Number three, the people of God cannot have pride in who they are. Number four, God desires a Christian role in Jewish salvation. Number five, Christians are grafted in by the grace of God. Number six, Messianic Jews are regrafted in by the grace of God. Number seven, worldwide revival is linked to, to Jews coming to know their Messiah. And number eight, the blinders that have been on the Jewish people's eyes will come off when Jerusalem is back in Jewish hands. And we know that happened in what year, right? 67, 1967. And we also know that the Messianic movement began a couple years after that. So, is that exciting? Does that always, that always stirs me when I think of how precise God is and how faithful God is? It's got to be amazing, right? Okay. So, let's start with Romans chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be, for I too am an Israelite. Of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, we see here that Paul must have gotten a lot of pushback about Jewish people because this this there's a number of times where he says, Look, God hasn't rejected him. And here it is again. Now it's a reasonable question to ask. Has God rejected Israel? Because um Look, historically, that's what the church has taught for 2,000 years almost, that God has rejected Israel, and so it makes sense to ask that question. And and certainly, um, I would say if if Israel's rejection of the good news was somehow both consistent with God's eternal plan and Israel's own choosing— then does this mean that Israel's fate is settled and there's no possibility of restoration? Of course, the answer is no. Look at the evidence. And so Paul is saying in verse 1, I'm the evidence. (laughs) He's saying, I'm the evidence, I'm Jewish. So he himself is the beginning of that evidence. And secondly, that evidence could be verified if they were saying he wasn't Jewish because the temple had not been destroyed yet, so all the records of who begat whom, so to speak, were in that temple. Amen? But there are other reasons. And let's look, you, you've got to, when you look at this scripture, you've got to also look at Jeremiah 31. So let's take this slowly. Jeremiah 31, verse 30, Behold, days are coming. It is a declaration of Adonai when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So we see here that God is promising not only that there needs to be a new covenant, but he's promising it to the Israelites, right? To the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And then it says, and, and now it deals with the fact that Israel was not, uh, not not the best over the years, right? So we continue. It says, for they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. It's a declaration of Adonai. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. It is a declaration of Adonai. I will put my Torah or my instruction within them. Now, again, remember the word Torah, which is used there, can be used for law or instruction. I tend to like instruction. I will put my instruction within them. Yes, I will write it on their heart. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will each teach his neighbor or each his brother, saying, No, Adonai, for they'll all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, it is a declaration of Adonai. So we see here that this is going to be a, uh, a prophetic word, but it's also going to be progressive in nature. It's, it doesn't all happen at one moment. Because since um, 1967, we've seen many Jewish people come to know the Lord. But we know that there's going to be a time when all Israel will be saved. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Let's continue in uh, this scripture of Jeremiah 31. And this is 33, or part of 33. For I will forgive their iniquity... Their sin I will remember no more. Thus says Adonai who gives the sun as a light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars as a light by night who stirs up the sea so its waves roar. Adonai Tsevaot, the Lord of hosts, is his name. Only if this fixed order departs from before me, It is a declaration of Adonai. Then also might Israel's offspring cease from being a nation before me for all time. So we see here that God is saying as long as there's sun and the fixed order of the moon and the stars, Israel is a nation before me. And he also says in those verses that he will forget, well, he won't forget, but he'll forgive the iniquity. Actually, he does say, I, I will forget. I will remember no more. So what a blessing. And and so that answers also the Romans 11.1 1 question, doesn't it? But it continues. In verse 36, it's reemphasized, thus says Adonai, only if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, then also I will cast off the offspring of Israel, for all they have done. It is a declaration of Adonai. So it's reemphasized there. It's also reemphasized in Jeremiah 33, verse 25. Thus says Adonai, If I have not made my covenant of day and night firm and the fixed patterns ordering the heavens and the earth, only then would I reject the offspring of Jacob and my servant David, so that I would not take from his offspring rulers over the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will restore them from their exile and have compassion on them. So we see from both the New Covenant and the Hebrew Scriptures, it's evident that God is not finished with his Jewish people. And you should know that to be true. And I'm sorry if there are people still, uh, and I know some of them, uh, wonderful Christians, extremely intelligent, and they still believe that the church has replaced Israel. This is called replacement theology, and we are strongly against it. We really believe from Scripture that God is not finished with his Jewish people. And I think that should always bring comfort to Christians because if God would go against his word and and not continue to have Israel uh, his chosen, then he could go against Christians as well later on. And that's just not God's nature, right? Okay, so... Another response to the same question by Paul is found in Romans eleven two. It says, God has not rejected his people whom he knew beforehand. Or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah? See, now Paul is also going to quote uh, from the Hebrew scriptures. And it says how he pleads with God against Israel. Adonai They have killed your prophets. They've destroyed your altars. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to bow. So in the same way, also at this present time, there has come to be a remnant according to God's grace, a gracious choice. So this, uh, reference to elijah is referencing first kings 19 and you could read more about it if you'd like but so romans 2 is really taking first kings 19 and applying it and saying this was true then and it is true today so though many in israel rejected their messiah a substantial remnant Embrace the good news of Yeshua. And God often works through faithful remnants. And I believe the Messianic movement right now is a remnant of God. In fact, if you'd like to study remnants, again, if you'd like to write these verses down, uh, these are Hebrew scriptures about remnants. 2 Kings 19.4, Ezra 9.8. Isaiah 10, 20 to 22. Isaiah 11, 11. Isaiah 11, 16. Isaiah 37, 32. Jeremiah 23, 3. 31 7, also from Jeremiah. Ezekiel 6, 8. Micah two twelve, Micah 5, 7, and 8. Micah seven eighteen, Zephaniah 2, 7. And Zechariah 8, 11, and 12, that should keep you busy if you want to study remnant, okay? God will not forsake or reject his people. He had plenty of opportunities to reject Israel throughout their history, right? Here are a couple of scriptures that confirm, again, Paul's words. Psalm ninety four fourteen. For Adonai will not forsake his people; he will never abandon his inheritance. First Samuel twelve twenty two. For Adonai will not forsake his people. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> for his great namesake, because it has pleased Adonai to make you a people to himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against that an eye by ceasing to pray for you. So God sovereignly and mercifully fulfills his promises, even when our eyes and ears and our mind just see something different. But don't get discouraged. And as this scripture says, don't stop praying because that would be a sin, right? Okay. So we go to Romans eleven six. But if it is by grace, it is no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So what do we learn from this scripture? First of all, grace is given to us by the kindness of God. He is the giver. Secondly, that God chose Israel by grace. Thirdly, God saved a remnant by grace. Fourth, God will never forsake Israel because of his grace. And I like to just mention, even though it says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer by works. That does not mean that grace is incompatible with works. It means that grace is incompatible with legalism. Legalism is the excessive and improper use of the law, and there are two types. One is a person attempts to keep the law in order to attain his salvation, or a person keeps the law in order to maintain his salvation. Both of those are legalism and the incorrect use of works or the law or the instruction. However, please understand that grace is very compatible with the law when under certain conditions. And we see those conditions in First Timothy 1, verse 8. But we know that the Torah or the instruction is good if one uses it legitimately, knowing that the law or, or the instruction is not given for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful for the unholy and the worldly, for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers, uh, the sexual immoral, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for anything else that opposes sound teaching in keeping with what was entrusted to me, the glorious good news of the, bl- of blessed God. Now, many of you will say, Hey, I don't do most of those things. Uh, And so I I don't need the Torah. But, you know, uh, it also, besides talking about the sexually immoral and those who killed and those who are unholy, it also talks about liars. And I would probably think that most of us have done some lying in our life, wouldn't you think? Number four. Works cannot be used to attain righteousness, but works are the fruit of serving and loving God. So we un- and we have to understand the right placement of works. It's not for for receiving salvation, but it is the fruit of somebody who loves God. And no, uh, finally, grace is something that is hard for us to understand. Because most of what we give to others, when you and I give things to others, we feel they deserve it, (laughs) right? But God gives us gifts and blessings when we know we are not deserving, and that's a new concept for us, which is hard for even believers to adopt into their lives. You know, we want to feel like people have deserved what we've given them. And that's not how God does it. Romans 11, 7. What then? What Israel is seeking, it has not obtained. But the elect obtained it, and the rest were hardened. So here again, we see the uh, the fact that there's a remnant. Some obtained it, and, and they were, uh, again, we're back to this, whether or not it's God's election or free will. And we know that it's both, but here it says, but the elect, the elect obtained it and the rest were hardened, just as it is written. And then another quote from the Hebrew scriptures, Isaiah 29, 10. It said, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes not to see and ears not to hear until this very day. Romans nine and Ten And David says, let their table become a snare and a, a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bend their back continually. So this refers back to Psalm 69, 23 and 24. Table would refer to the fact that eating together. That's, that was kind of the usage then. This is when they would be discussing scriptures. And so, and it says, let their table become a snare. Let their, their eating together become a snare and a trap. Uh, and then when it talks about bending their back, I believe that refers to slavery. Now there's a key thing here and that is, and bend their back continually, but Many scriptures or translations, I should say says bend their backs forever. For instance, the NASB, the new American standard, uses the word forever. Now the King James says, now uh, bow down their back always. Now always and forever is different and certainly forever and continually is different. Now, what do you do? What Here's my question to you. When you find two intelligent translations and you go and you look it up in the Greek and you do all of that and you realize that it could be translated translated one way or translated another, what do you do? Well, you're going to have to wait till next week to find out. I'm sorry because we're out of time. But I will say that there is a way other than just looking at the Greek to understand which word should be used. Well, as I said, uh, we're out of time. Please let your friends know we're studying Romans 11 now and tell them to join us. You can get copies of this teaching and all my teachings on the radio if you go to our website at shoreshdavid.org, then click under Ministries, and then click under Heart of Messiah Radio. brings you to a page, and you can select one of those teachings. If you want to help us financially stay on the radio, call Karen at 813-831-5673. I pray that God has touched your heart, and that you would grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Let's close in prayer. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah, so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King.
0: You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.